Welcome to Sermon Q&A. Pastor Michael here with you. I am in the studio with Pastor Craig and Pastor Alex on May 22nd, 2022. Uh, we did our fifth sermon in the Jesus Is series, Jesus Is the Bread of Life. Now, Pastor Craig, we know now uh, that John 6 has nothing to do with communion when it says you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood and I am the bread of life and all that. We've established that. And and so if someone is kind of still working through that, they can go watch any one of our messages and I think they can go, they can get a little more clarity there. But um, because so many people have taken this to mean communion, we have to really go after some of these ideas. Yeah. And so one of the one of the questions I think is great. Why Why don't most Protestants take communion weekly. Uh, as I say that, like I grew up in a church that did it monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Village church used to do it monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we do it weekly unless we're doing baptisms. What do you guys do? Uh, we used to do it monthly and now we do it weekly too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do it weekly because uh, actually even through COVID, yeah. it has been a great uniting factor, yep. even as we do it in our homes by ourselves. Yep. So, so I love what it has done for us. We're unusual in the Protestant world. Um, So why don't most Protestants do it weekly? All right. So the question is, why don't we do it weekly? And when, how often should we do it? Mm -hmm. I I think is the natural flow of that. Uh, There's no biblical uh, mandate as to how often Mm -hmm. we should be doing communion. False. Just kidding. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Because I've got a lot more notes. I know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Literally, uh, in, fir- in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28, I think it is, it says that as often as you do this, mm. do this in, in remembrance of me. There's no precedent that we are given in scripture. You should do this weekly, monthly, biweekly. Mm. Um, and so there is a, there's a need for us to go to scripture and find out what they're doing. Yeah. There seems to be some confusion as to the churches when they got together, like when they got together, were they doing communion by themselves in their homes? Right. Were they doing communion <clears throat> individually? Yeah. Um, was it a was it a kind of a daily thing? Acts 2.42, a passage that we were just discussing, yeah. um, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to, the, uh, to prayer and to the yeah. breaking of bread. And fellowship. Yeah. And fellowship, and fellowship yeah. right. So it seems like there's, there might be almost like a daily thing yeah. going on where this is, this is happening more yeah. than just once a week. Um, could be, could be. But what has happened, I think, through history is that uh, we've kind of taken this idea and some of these passages and turned them into qualifiers. Mm. So the early church, um, when they gathered for worship, every time they gathered for worship, they did communion together. So if it was a formal gathering, they would include communion. The early church writers in Tertullian origin, these mm-hmm. guys all talk about doing communion every time they get together. The agape feast, mm-hmm. uh, even before these early church fathers came out, when the disciples were still around, mm-hmm. the agape feast was a part of uh, their formal gathering. That's mm-hmm. actually what's referred to in 1 Corinthians 11, mm-hmm. the passage that we use for communion, because yeah. Paul's ticked. Yeah. The apostle Paul says, you're abusing the communion moment <laughs> of your dinner. Putting poor people in another room, yeah. giving them the scraps, pre- preferential <clears throat> they're t- treatment. They take longer to walk there than the rich people who yeah. can get there faster <laughs> or live yeah. closer. Right. And so they're getting the scraps that are left over. And Paul says, I'm not going to commend you on this. They're drunk. Poor people come <laughs> in. Drunk. It's like, it's right. It's crazy. So, I'd so, love to go 
to visit that church. <laughs> so, Not to get drunk. I just want to see, <laughs> see what's going on there. Let's be clear. Yeah. So they're having a feast where they're eating and yeah. drinking to excess. Mm-hmm. And a part of that feast was called the Agape Feast, which mm-hmm. included the communion time. So mm-hmm. it'd be like us getting together for a picnic, which we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we're having a time together. And we realize, you know, okay, let's get to the end of the picnic. Let's have a moment to remember Jesus. Yeah. And we turn that into a, what we do in churches mm-hmm. as a communion time. Yeah. I love the idea of having the, the meal yeah. and keeping the communion as a part That's of it. That's why we have food at every one of our services to yeah. foster just eating together. And it's a part of that. Yeah. yeah. So I think the church individually got together, but I don't think they broke bread every time. So mm-hmm. if I came over to Alex's house and had dinner or something, we wouldn't necessarily do communion together. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was more of a, um, a celebration of their togetherness yeah. mm-hmm. and a part of a formal dinner right. where they said, okay, since we're all here, let's do communion mm-hmm. together. Through the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church changed that around a little bit. Actually, um, they call the Middle Ages the Ages of Faith, which is interesting. The communion uh, celebration was less frequent during that time than any other part of the church's history. And I think that part of that is because food was less available Mm. and getting together was not looked highly on. Mm. Plus, you're constantly being attacked by people around you. Mm. And, you know, your life was always in jeopardy in the Middle Ages. And there's plagues. Yeah, right. So the Fourth Lateran Council uh, compelled the faithful under pain of excommunication to at least do communion once a year. So even though they weren't getting communion, they said, you got to do it at least once a year. And so if they didn't, they would be excommunicated. Today, uh, that has actually transferred because food is much more plentiful. We're not being attacked by, you know, marauding neighbors around us. So today, communion is sometimes celebrated by the Catholic Church once a day. Mm. Um, a lot of devoted Catholics uh, will do communion, make the, make mass, the trek yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to do communion once a day. But it's interesting, in the, in, the, um, uh, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, they say you can't do more than two times a day. So you can only do it oh, twice, okay. uh, but not three times. If you, if you did it the third time, does that negate one of the two that you did? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just ask, ask your local priest. The Middle Ages uh, also gave us the Reformers. The Reformers broke away from the Catholic Church and questioned all of what they had been taught mm. by the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. And in doing so, uh, they had to question the frequency that they took communion. Mm. And so they came up with, okay, it has to be at least once a quarter or once a month. They didn't, they didn't excommunicate anybody for not doing that, but they, they wanted to make sure that it was a regular practice of the church. Calvin himself said, if you're only doing communion once a year, you're, you're in trouble, right? Mm. But he wouldn't excommunicate you. So if you're a church gathering, you must do it at least once a quarter or once a, um, uh, once a month. Yeah, yeah, you know what's what's interesting about all of this is like our tendency to even take this idea and turn it into some kind of law and put it upon ourselves, <laughs> right? Like true. it's just so That's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the I think the apprehensive attitude of some churches is we see the need for communion. Right. Like I said, we have right. really valued that at, yeah. at our church especially through COVID. But we're afraid of the fact if we do it too often, it becomes routine. Yep. Mm-hmm. It becomes it becomes mm-hmm. just a thing we do. Mm-hmm. And I think in in the fear of making it routine, we almost make it too uncommon. Mm-hmm. And I think you can after after doing it myself every week for I don't know years, years and years and years. 
I have come to appreciate it actually more yeah. Yeah. than than making it into a yeah. routine. Interesting. I would also say in uh, in scripture, if we look right at scripture uh, in in uh, Colossians two sixteen, it says, "Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you with questions of food or drink, or with regard to festivals or new moon or Sabbath. These are the shadow things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." I think mm. we can pull that passage in, and if a church wants to do it once a year, if they yeah. want to do it once a quarter, if they want to want to do it once a week. I don't think there's a set routine. I think yeah. if they don't do it, there's something wrong with that church. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think if they don't value it, if they tack it on to, you know, to, to just something that's routine, they need to do something to make it more fresh. Yeah. Uh, communion is a life-changing experience, and it should be every time. Mm-hmm. And if it gets to be routine, like it'd be like your prayers becoming routine or reading the Bible becomes routine. Yeah. You know, you feel like your prayers go only high as the roof. That's going to affect your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So leadership in the church needs to do what they can to make sure that um, communion is is valued, mm-hmm. it's regular, mm-hmm. and it's not routine. And the third thing I would say is um, weekly uh, weekly uh, practice may indicate uh, teaching of, of feasting on spiritual grace. Um, in other words... If you go back to the weekly idea, which which we do, you might have to clarify some of that with some people because they're coming at it from different tra- yeah. traditions, and you don't <clears throat> want to communicate that you need it. You need mm-hmm. to do this right. in order to be right with God. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, about I had been about <clears throat> excuse me ten years ago. We um, moved from monthly to communion to weekly communion, and we actually had a congregational meeting about it because there was a lot of concern. And the concerns were people are going to think we're Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concerns were it's going to lose its meaning. Yep. And, um, and those are all, they're all risks kind of worth taking. We needed to make sure at the time, the reason we did it was because we wanted to make sure that, that people were focusing on the main thing. And, mm-hmm. and we have a, um, we, we have a, a historic poll. Every church has like polls to things that aren't the best, right? Our historic poll has been to make the Bible as a church more important than Jesus mm-hmm. and to define maturity as knowledge as opposed to intimacy. And Indeed. so um, so we did that to kind of like rectify and to protect our church from the natural pull to make our faith about something mm-hmm. secondary as opposed to the primary thing, the living word. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting set of conversations there, but I found with secret churches, uh, as I talked to pastors um, who are secret church pastors, oftentimes, particularly, I think this is changing lately, but um, it is, yeah, it, it's a, it's uncomfortable for non-Christians and you want to make your service as comfortable as you can. Mm-hmm. So a handful of churches that I know would do it on their Wednesday night services. They would not do it on Sunday mm-hmm. mornings. They would do it once a quarter um, because it was, it's, it's, a, it's necessarily polarizing. You know what I mean? It divides the crowd when you do a communion. Um, necessarily almost, you know, it's so at our church, um, we recognize that and we intentionally start every communion mm-hmm. by saying why we do it. Just yeah. in case we have some people there that have never done it before. Yeah, it's good hospitality. And we say, listen, this is what we're going to do here. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's why we do it. Yeah. We want to make sure that every service finishes with a clear presentation of the gospel. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we just lay out the gospel for, mm-hmm. for the, for the church. And then when we take the bread and we take the juice, it's a celebration of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for us, it has been actually not polarizing, even for some of our newer folks. It's been, uh, it's actually been uniting because they get to hear the gospel clearly presented uh, at the end of the service and celebrate. Thank you for that. And uh, I don't know what your church does, but the most important thing is probably not the frequency, but that they're keeping Christ and the gospel central and they're participating in this sometime on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. thank you for joining us and come back for more questions on Sermon Q&A.